Hey, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pain to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoris, and every single week we're bringing you knowledge, wisdom, and expertise from entrepreneurs to help you guys save time and level up on your journey of going from pain to profits. And today, I'm actually a little bit nervous because I got the <laughs> podcast guru on the pod, Seth Silvers with Story on Media, who literally helps people build their brand on the back of podcasting and short form content, long form content. And so I'm really excited to one, unpack his story about entrepreneurship, but two, talk a lot about the podcast game and you guys can simultaneously see me get or hear me get schooled on what it takes to be and build a great podcast. So Seth, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Thank you, man. Excited to be here. I know uh, it's been uh, a long time coming. I feel like we've both had people that are nudging our shoulders, been like, you guys need to connect. You need to get in the same room. It just hasn't happened. So I'm glad to be here. I know it's crazy. Before I started the pod, I told you this offline, but I actually... I didn't connect with anybody. I think I did a Google search or something like that. I'm like, there's got to be somebody around here who knows about podcasting. And obviously, Story on Media came up. I converted. We traded a couple emails. Mm -hmm. I ghosted you and never responded. <laughs> Sales, <laughs> Sales 101, you should have followed up, put me on your drip campaign. Yep. Um, but here we are, man. So I'm incredibly, incredibly excited. I think before we jump into kind of details in around Story on Media and your background into entrepreneurship, I think it's helpful if we kind of frame it up with, What's your story, man? Yeah. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you come from? How the heck did you end up in Fort Collins? And and then from there, we'll transition into how the heck did you end up in podcasting and media? Yeah. Yeah. So I, actually, I grew up in Fort Collins. Okay. So I uh, grew up not too far from here, probably like 25 minutes from where we are now. I live 10 minutes down the road in Windsor. So it was cool. the first interview that I've done uh, that's actually been in person in my hometown. Let's uh, go. <laughs> I've done it in Fort Collins, but not in Windsor. So it was fun. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I grew up here and then... Uh, you know, pretty, my family moved here when I was less than a year old. So this is like all the home that I've known. Went to college in Oklahoma. Uh, thought I was going to be going into ministry in high school. I had started a nonprofit. And so I was beginning to see like me and my friends, we, we started this movement and we were beginning to see like, oh, like our, our skills and talents and all these passions of ours were kind of coming to the top. And so we realized like, man, I love bringing people together. I love telling stories. Uh, I love rallying people. And so all, all of these things. And then I think the community around me was like, okay, this, this would fit really well in ministry. Um, and I loved, I loved ministry. I've always really had a passion for nonprofits. And so then I went to college in Oklahoma, um, studied a lot of business, a lot of theology and a lot of communications and kind of didn't really care what piece of paper they gave me at the end of it. It right. was like, these are the things I'm interested in. Um, and long story short in college really realized like, Oh, I, I feel like my passion is business. Um, had some business mentors in my life that I got to meet in college and really get to know really well cool. where they had built businesses so incredibly successful so that they could give back. And mm -hmm. so I got to watch these families literally give away millions of dollars, um, and watching them do that, watch them watching how, and getting to learn from them. That really helped me to see the impact that is possible with business. So I was, went into a nonprofit for about two years as marketing director and then really realized like, man, I, want, I know I'm going to start my own business at some point. Might as, might as well be now. Like might as well start like the failing and figuring it out process now as opposed to like waiting five years. And so right. uh, that was eight years ago. And yeah, So how old are you? Like uh, I was probably 24. Yeah, 20. yeah, I guess I'm 32 now. So yeah, 24 when it started story on. Yeah, awesome. And and then, do you feel like it took off right away, or did it have a little bit? No, of No, I did have the business plan for it to take off. So I had like the plan on paper of like here's how it's going to take off. But 
I didn't know that when you write business plans, you're pretty much writing down the plan that won't happen. You're like, here's what's <laughs> going to happen in reality. You should look at it and be like, okay, well, here's, let's write all this off because yeah. this is what's revenue just grows every single month. You have yeah. no overhead costs, no expenses. Yeah, I was about to get married at the time, and so you know, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, we're starting this business. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be making a ton of money. Um, and yeah, it really was. It really the first like five years were pretty pretty flat revenue wise, like really small team. I was, you know, sustaining my own life, but also, you know, kind of taking little odd jobs or odd contracts here right. that I didn't really want to, like, I, I wanted to pretend like it was all within my business. Um, <laughs> but in reality, like there was a lot of little side projects that were like getting me through. And now I look back and realize like, oh, everything has a purpose. Yeah. And, and it was all just part of the process. But yeah, was the first like five years, five, six years was pretty flat until kind of two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, I love that. I was reading reading Psalms this morning, Psalm 1, and it's talking about everything in its season, right? And mm-hmm. so we want it to be in our season. Right. But you, you got to definitely plant the seeds, work the ground a little bit. And there's a lot of just figuring out when you first get started as an entrepreneur, especially yep. at 24, you're, you're like, you don't know anything at that no. point. <laughs> no. So yeah. You're just banging your head against the wall trying to figure it out. And yeah. Eventually, I feel like the first three years are just figuring out, and then you actually have two good years where you're like, okay, I'm kind of putting together a couple strings of wins here. Mm-hmm. And so by five years, you're still an infant, but like, okay, I kind of got my feet under me and I'm right. ready to go. So, But I want to go back. Where did you go to school in Oklahoma? So I went to Oral Roberts University okay, in cool. Tulsa. And then the mentors that you – yeah. came upon were those people who were alums as a part of that so one of them was one of them was an alum although i met them in belize so i i spent one of my summers in um high school or in college in college i spent one of my summers in belize i went down there for three months i had friends that were missionaries down there i'd kind of gone through like a pretty rough year in college and so i was like i just need like can i just come down and just work yeah. like they're building a children's home there so i was like can i just come down and i don't know paint, build stuff, do whatever, do whatever I need to do for like two and a half months. And so I was down there and met this family that was one of their support, one of their like main supporters. They had given, I think they had given over a million dollars to this organization. They actually were ORU alum. Um, and so, but we met in the jungles of Belize and so got to know them really, really well. Um, over the next couple of years, they lived in Dallas, like five hours away from Tulsa. Yeah. So my junior and senior year, a lot of weekends, I was going down and um, and ended up using a, a lot of kind of the experiences I had developed through nonprofits and through starting those. Uh, they were involved in the nonprofit space, and so we started working on some projects together. Um, and then the, one of the other mentors was uh, Mark Green with the Green family. They started Hobby Lobby and oh, wow. Mardell, and that was one of your mentors. Yeah, I got to know them really well uh, wow. in high in in college because they they kind of long story short they kind of stepped in and saved the university that I went to. So before I went there, like the year before, the university almost shut down. It was like fifty three million dollars in debt, embezzling oh, all this crazy stuff. Oh, and they were like, "Well, we don't want to see this Christian university shut its doors because despite all the crap, there's a lot of good going on." And so they actually, I think they. I think they put in like 110 million dollars wow. to like turn the university around. They came in, they got a new like new president, new board of directors, new leadership, and totally changed the university. And now it's like in a completely different space. And so got to know them through a scholarship program that they started and that I got. Um, and then after college, I had a conversation 
remember emailing Mark Green and kind of just saying, I want to learn more from you. Um, what's the best way to learn? And I, and I remember asking him, I said, uh, I'd love to buy you lunch. Let me know anywhere in the country on any day and I will like meet you. And he said, okay, meet me at the Chili's at this concourse in the Dallas airport next month on this day. So I like flew, <laughs> left Denver, flew to Dallas to the right concourse, had lunch, learned a ton over two hours and then just flew back home and was yeah. like back home at like 5 p.m. I was like, this is crazy. I feel crazy, but uh, learned a lot. And I, I still have the napkin with all the notes that he that he gave me that day. That's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do crazy stuff. Yeah. Depends on how serious you actually are. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that. And then you said you're married. Mm -hmm. Did you meet your wife in college as well? No, I met once we moved back here. So we met kind of through friends with church uh, in our church community. But yeah, I had moved back here in 2013. Her family had just moved to Colorado. And so she had finished school in Kentucky and then happened to move here. And we we met and started hanging out and yeah. realized we loved each other. And it's been uh, fun and hard and fantastic seven years, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like pretty normal marriage. That's yeah. what we hear. Is she is she entrepreneurial as well? No, not in the same way. She works with the school district and then uh, she coaches volleyball. So we actually both coach volleyball. That's something we've gotten into. Yeah, cool. uh, That's how we met was playing volleyball with church friends. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're wired pretty differently. And yeah. she's a lot more risk averse, uh, which balances me out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's how there's most women that my wife's the same way. She's more risk adverse. That's how God wired them. Keep us grounded. So we're not getting too far out in front of our skis. It's <laughs> helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. And even like when I was starting the business and I, you know, I had my business plan and, uh, I think at the time I was, I was giving plasma twice a week because it was like, I can get <laughs> you're so broke. Yeah. I was like 300 bucks a month. This is awesome. Uh, and I also realized that I could be on food stamps. And so it was like, that was like two, $300 of grocery money a month. And so she was like, do you think maybe you should like get a part-time job <laughs> like 10 hours a week? Like one that maybe at a restaurant where you like get a meal every shift. Yeah. And I, in my mind, I was like, no, no, no. And then we talked about it. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. And so, yeah, it was just funny. It was like, if it was just me, I, you know, I could eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my car all day. Like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, but because I was starting my business when we were also starting our marriage, she was really helpful to kind of be like, ah, like maybe it's okay to like, yes, believe in everything that you're launching, but also like realize maybe getting a part-time job might help. No, I love that because I think it's a big misconception, right? Is that you're just supposed to like drop out of college, mm -hmm. go all in, raise some money, and you're just going to be super successful and it's not going to be hard. But I know countless stories, myself included, where you got to pick up a side hustle or or you have a full-time gig and you start building something and get a rolling start on the side before you yeah. actually make the entrepreneurial leap. Yeah. It becomes even – the the risk is even higher when you got somebody else who's counting on you to not screw it up. Then you start having kids and doing all that and the pressure goes up, which, you know, I think a lot of our audience listening to this can relate to that, myself included. You know, I, I had like a – entrepreneurial journey. I, you know, I was in sales, I was trading futures and commodities. Then we went and started marketing a technology company and I got to help grow that business in internally. Um, but I still had some consistency and then I wanted to make the leap and, you know, breaking away from making multiple six figures to basically you're on your own. That takes a little while. Yep. So that's where building real estate up and other businesses along the way 
allows you to make that transition. So I love that. Um, who else has had a big influence in your life other than your mentors? Were your parents entrepreneurs? I didn't really think that they were until like the last couple. So my dad's a professional artist, uh, always has been. And he's, as we speak, teaching art down the street at Res. Oh, wow. Uh, he's been the art teacher there for a long time. Um, but growing up, he he was a professional artist. So like he had a studio in our basement. And I remember, you know, being a little kid and playing in like a playpen in his art studio while he's painting and stuff. And so I, I didn't really think about that as like, being an entrepreneur, but that, you know, growing up, that was absolutely like what he was doing was building his own business, building a brand around his artwork. And he did it really well. Um, so I didn't really realize how much that influenced me, but I think that my, my parents were a big influence because they, they always, they would, I always knew that they would support me in like trying something big. So, you know, in high school, I remember feeling led to start this nonprofit and as a 16 year old saying, Hey, I, I want to start this nonprofit. I don't know if they thought I was crazy or not, but they, <laughs> but they said, awesome, like go, go do it. it. Yeah. And I think that moment was really, really helpful for me because just having that support system of early on realizing like, Oh, I can, I can actually build something like I can go out. And if I have a dream to build something, I actually can do it. And they've always provided like wisdom around that. But I think being surrounded by people that would push me to try something instead of saying like, I don't know if you should try that. That was really huge for me. And so my parents were a part of that, you know, friends I've surrounded myself with were, I think in the last handful of years, um, or I would say the last like two to three years, really getting around business owners that have, they're, they're clearly just doing way better than me and learning from those there there's countless relationships that that's been really, really helpful, even in the podcasting space. Yeah. Um, talking with other podcast agencies who are charging five times or 10 times more than us, or they're doing, you know, that they're, they're just like, there's always somebody that you can learn from with what you're doing. And so I think there's a lot of, there's some big, big relationships, but there's a lot of little ones here and there and trying to continually surround myself with people that are further down the road than me, knowing that there's some element of like aspiring and seeing how they're doing it and learning from them. That's pretty important to my success. Yeah, I can relate to that story. My dad was a craftsman and a bit of a, I'd call him a solopreneur. He never mm -hmm. quite broke out to have, be a real business owner. Yeah, same with my dad. Yeah, and it was part of, partially because he always had to put his hands on it. You know, he, if the door needed to be built, he's like, oh, that nobody can do that better than me, <laughs> you know, where I was the exact opposite of that, where I'm like, hey, you should have somebody like me who thinks about selling jobs and making money because at the end of this project, like mm -hmm. you're gonna pick your head up and realize, oh shoot, I gotta go find some more work. So I can totally relate to that. But my parents were always really good about, hey, whatever you're into, like we're into it too. You know, I remember my mom would try to talk to me about football when I was playing football. <laughs> she she barely knew what position I was in, but man, she was at every game. They were out there screaming my name, supporting me all the way through it. When I said I wanna go play in college, whatever you wanna do. When I said I wanted to leave my scholarship, and I wanted to go take a walk on it and try to get earn another scholarship. Yeah, go for it. Like you can do it, you know. So I think that is so crucial. And I think that as we get older, we let some of those limiting beliefs and those voices in our head that weren't our own kind of limit us from doing the things that we really want to do. And so how do you how do you tackle those insecurities of entrepreneurship? Because uh, you're not free from it. You just get better no. at wrestling with the voices in your head. Yeah, I think a piece of it is, it's, well, it's certainly an ongoing battle. 
I think a piece of that battle is being honest about those insecurities. Yeah. You know, we talked about some of the misconceptions of like, it's gotta be all or nothing. Like yeah. you have to quit everything and only be doing your business. And that's the right path for somebody. But I think for me realizing and embracing that like my path has been different. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like eight years, I should be a lot further along than I am. And when I hear that in my mind, I need to tell myself, and I've gotten used to telling myself like, this is my journey and, and this is great. Yeah. Like really being honest about everybody's path is different. And this journey is the one that I've needed. Yeah. And so I think that's a big piece of it. I also, I remember actually meeting with, I was, I was actually meeting with a therapist. This is probably like three or four years ago. We were talking about a bunch of other issues that like were not related to business and like ways I was acting out and different things. And, um, and we were kind of trying to get to the source of it and realizing that a lot of times when I would like turn to certain coping mechanisms, it was because I felt overwhelmed with the amount of work that I had to do. And so I would just disconnect from it and go distract myself with something else. And as we dove into it, we realized like I was surrounding myself every day with all of, and I mean, I'm in storytelling, so it makes sense. I'm surrounding myself with stories of people who have are, are better than me, right. are stronger than me, are wealthier than me, are more successful than me, all of this stuff. I'm like constantly reminding myself that I am not that. Yeah. And so it was for a while I had to like really step back because I was realizing it was feeding all of this comparison for me because on Instagram and on YouTube, I was, you know, consuming all of this content of people that were seemingly way more successful and way more wealthy than I was. And so then it was really easy to beat myself up, overload myself with work and then put myself into a position where I felt like the only thing I could do was like disengage and go distract myself because I couldn't possibly move forward. And so I think I've, I've learned to like balance that and to really like limit and be super intentional about who I am listening to, yeah. uh, what content I am consuming, how much I'm consuming it. I mean, I, my job is podcasting. <laughs> so it's like there, I have to have some really intentional boundaries. Otherwise uh, I, I think that content and just consuming content all the time, I think it feeds our insecurities more than anything. So I think we have to be really intentional with what we do let in. And so that's been that's been something that's been really helpful with like addressing those insecurities as an entrepreneur is being intentional about the voices and uh, whether it's actual people in my life or kind of these like mentors from afar and podcasts we listen to, right. being really intentional about who am I letting speak to me um, and so that's been a really big piece of it is being honest about my own journey, but then also being really aware of who I'm letting in so that that comparison game doesn't just get out of control. And I'm actually being inspired by people that are healthy, but I'm not letting that put me in a position where it's like, well, I have to get there and I have to do it the way they did it. Yep. Man. Yeah. My perspective on that is it's an infinite game. There's no winners and losers. The only rule to the game is to keep the game going. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, if you feel like that person's doing better than you, then you're instantly making this, uh, well, they're winning, so I must be losing. But if the game is just the game, and each person's playing their own game, then it shifts your perspective. But I would agree with you. There are, there are people who are very successful, especially in the podcasting space. They've built huge businesses, and all they talk about is, 
successful and everybody, you guys are being a bunch of pussies and you need to work harder and blah, 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 blah. But they never tell you the backstory. They never tell you the raw, hey, there were six years when mm-hmm. I made no money, you know, and I wasn't successful. And I found that the, the people that I'm drawn to are the super raw, authentic, and real. And, and I think that's the direction that content's going is people, the person who can show up the most authentically and show hard on their sleeve like you've been doing for the past 10 minutes or so uh, are the people who win long game because it's just more approachable. It's more relatable. You, you kind of marginalize everybody and you get this like little sector of like yes men who are like, oh, yeah, everybody else sucks and we're so dope. And they're just right. not mentally tough enough, you know, and I don't I don't think that's the move. Yeah, and um, yeah, I've heard like some people talk about it of like mental masturbation, of like this like content. Like yes. it's like people we're, we're, we're getting off just by consuming the content of all these people talking about success and mindset and hustle and grinding and all of this stuff. And our, our brain doesn't know the difference. So like our brain is when, when we're consuming all that content, like our brain gets satisfaction by us thinking about doing work Yes. and by us planning out work. And so if you sit down and this, this is why for me, like I get stuck in strategy. So my strength is on the strategist. But my weakness is I will get stuck in strategy and not move to execution. And so <laughs> I, I could sit down for hours and just build strategy. And now I'm in the position where that's what I do with our clients. Like that's my role. But um, I, I, I feel stoked to sit down and do strategy. And I could, I could do that all day and not put it into execution. My brain actually thinks I'm doing the work. My brain thinks that I'm executing on all that. And so I think a lot of times when we're listening to all this content and all this like kind of like rah, rah entrepreneurship stuff, our brain is getting off on that. And yeah. then we walk away from it and we're like, sweet, that was an awesome podcast. I just listened to <laughs> yeah. and it's like, well, we haven't actually done anything. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the, that's one of the cautions of like this industry is, is it important and critical to be making content? Absolutely. But there's also like a responsibility with that. And we also have to be responsible for what content we're consuming and how we're actually implementing that into our life. Yeah, that's so good. I find that when I'm just taking from social and consuming, that's when I get those feelings of insignificant. But when I'm creating and putting it out um, and adding value to the world, right. I feel so much better. There, um, Rory Vaden, mm-hmm. do you know that is? He yeah. said, you're best positioned to serve the person who you once were. So once I got my head through that, that like I'm Yoda to somebody else's Luke Skywalker story, and I cre- I'm not creating content necessarily for myself. I'm creating it for somebody else everything got easier and a lot of that anxiety went away because now I'm going to the platform to create, not necessarily to consume, but don't get me wrong. I do check my YouTube subs like 10 times a day. (laughs) You know, I do check (laughs) newsletter subscribers like 10 times a day. I do check analytics regularly Yeah, uh, because it does matter. It's important metrics. It totally matters. And there's, again, there's always a spectrum. There's like a lot of other business owners that like, they don't know their numbers. They're not looking at their metrics. They don't even know what metrics they should be looking at. Right. And so, yeah, there's there's always a balance with everything. Yeah, I love that. Okay, well, let's dive in a little bit more into into podcasting, which is your sector, your lane, what you're known for. How the heck did you get started in that? Why did you decide that that was the lane of media that you really wanted to go deep on? Yeah. There's so many different places you can go, but why podcasting? Yeah, so I, I mentioned that the first five years was pretty much flat, like revenue-wise. I was sustaining myself and delivering for clients, but I I looked back over the five years and I think I had said no to two projects. Oh gosh! Um, and it was because it was uh, you know our 
our business model was like help small businesses market with stories. And I would always hear from people, oh, like that's too broad or, well, I would hear from like actual successful business people like, oh, you need to niche down. You need to get more specific. And I always thought that when people said, you know, niche down to blow up, it's like, well, that that's great for Samson. Like that's great for everybody else. But like, no, we're, we're good. Like we really can help everybody. And so I was stuck doing work that I could do. And so I thought that when people were coming to us saying, Hey, can you help us? I was like, well, yeah, I can. So I would, um, I wasn't asking the question of like, should I help you? Right. I can, I can, I can re-roof my house or I could hire a roofer. Yeah. So, I mean, when I started story on, uh, I knew video was going to be a part of it. I knew written form stuff was going to be a part of it. I knew the social media content was going to be a part of it. Um, so we just did like everything you could possibly do in marketing. Yeah. Um, in pod, I don't know why, but podcasting was like not on my mind when I started it. I was not thinking about podcasting at all as being like, oh, this is like a really good way to tell stories. Right. And then in 2018, I think it was 2018, uh, do you know Kurt Bear? I do know Kurt So Bear. Kurt Logo, and I- Logo Think Tank. Yeah. So Kurt and I have been good friends for a long time. We started talking about the idea of a podcast, started talking about the idea of starting a podcast, tell some of the stories around town. And so I, I started the podcast. Kurt was kind of involved with those first like 10 episodes and we kind of did them together. And so started the podcast, uh, miserably failed those first 10 episodes, like recorded them, bought like $2,000 worth of gear, didn't know what I was doing, ended up recording. They sounded like crap because I like, I, I just like didn't know how to use all the gear, but I was right. too insecure to like say it. and so then afterwards I was like man these really suck and so I sat on them for almost a year and didn't publish them and finally was like all right I'm not going to publish these I'm going to redo them we're going to start over and so I started the small business storytellers and I wasn't even thinking about like the business side of it I wasn't thinking like oh this is a business development tool oh this will bring in new clients wasn't thinking about that at all but some interesting things started to happen where people began to trust me more in other areas of our work because they heard the podcast and the podcast was done really well. Mm. So it was interesting because they were like, Oh, well you can probably do really well on like our email campaigns. Like I listened to your podcast and it was great. It's like that, that logic is not that, that logic doesn't make sense, but it's, it's relevant. It's real. It's translatable. Yeah. What is that the, the Dunning Kruger effect, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Where people like see that you're doing quality work in one area and then they assume you'll do quality work in all of the areas. Right, but that's also their, they don't have enough knowledge on media to know that that's not necessarily uh, a horizontal move. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I started to see, regardless of the logic, I started to see, man, podcasting is having a really good impact on our business. And more importantly, it's it's showing people that I can do authoritative, credible, quality work. Mm. And so that was really interesting to me. So we slowly had a couple other, like, clients or people in my circle that they were getting into podcasting. It was like, well, Hey, we just started a podcast a year ago. You know, we, if you have any questions, let me know. So then, you know, we got a client. I think I was, I think my first like editing job, we we were charging like $25 an episode or something. Oh gosh. Um, if you're listening to this, do not charge $25 an episode. Four hours later. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, if somebody is charging you $25 an episode to edit their podcast, then you should find yeah. somebody that charges more. Yeah, get what uh, you pay for. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so then after maybe a year or two, uh, we were still doing a really broad marketing work. And uh, we were doing our podcast, Small Business Storytellers. 
Uh, we're starting to do interviews with people around the country, not just local. Had a handful of podcasts that we were doing production work for. I got this really big contract that in reality I should not have taken, <laughs> but I really, I, I knew I could do it. And so I, I did it with this company. It, in reality, it was a full-time job. Like, but I convinced like them a to fractional. Yeah. So I was like a fractional content strategist for their company. And so it shouldn't have been through story on and like it, they should have just hired somebody full time, but I convinced them to hire me through story on. And in my mind, I was like, I can do both. <laughs> so I just did terrible at everything. <laughs> um, and I've heard some people say like, don't, um, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> and one, so it was like that was that was it. Like I was doing a mediocre job at everything I was doing. I was waking up at like four thirty in the morning because the business owner I was working with, he woke up like he was East Coast and started work at like three a.m. So I wanted him to like see that I was emailing and on Slack at like four thirty and just stupid crap. Yeah, you're and like this is I'm an employee now. I'm not an entrepreneur. Yeah, and so uh, at the time we. We're getting ready to buy a house. We signed a contract to build a house. And then like two days later, got fired by that big contract, which was like over 50% of our revenue. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, well, shoot, what are we gonna like, what are we gonna do with this? Right. Uh, we just signed a house, we just signed that contract. So it was like because it was a new build, it was like, okay, well, we kind of have like we have like six months for them to build the house before right. we like really have to like have everything in order. And we could kind of delay it a little further if we had to. So Yeah. And so I remember talking with my wife about it and it was like, okay, we could, like if we just play out the scenarios, like we could, I think we we're still within the 30 days where we could get like our 1% earnest money back. And so it was like, all right, we could go to them right now. We could back out of this, you know, get our 1% back or we could move forward. Worst case scenario, we lose 1%. Best case scenario, business picks up figure out what the hell I'm doing yeah. <laughs> and we get the house. Um, and so I, I kind of, I told my wife, I said, I think that I just like, this is the moment to focus. Like I've been afraid to focus. I've been afraid to niche down. And I, and so I stepped back and I looked at what do I enjoy doing the most? What's working the best and who has been paying us the longest. And that was our podcasting clients. And so I was like, all right, we're cutting everything else out. We're saying no to everything else. We're going to do podcasting and podcasting alone. Um, and that was really when things like started to, I, I say take off doesn't mean I'm anywhere near where I want to be, but that was when things started to go upward. Yeah, that was when I was able to start like building a team, hiring a virtual assistant, hiring an operations manager, hiring an editor, like actually growing because we had the focus and people knew how to refer us. Uh, yeah. that was the thing. It was like, if you do everything, nobody's going to refer you. Cause they're going to be like, well, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but when it was like, we are at the time we, produce podcasts for coaches and consultants people are like oh well I, I know exactly who needs to talk to you yep so that was kind of the, the pivotal moment where it was like there were some life circumstances that put in a, put us in a position where it was like we need to focus this and if if this isn't working in six months then like probably need to do something different yeah nothing like a little a little pressure to, yeah to get you focused down on what you want to do i love that why why do you think people Two questions. Why do you think people should have a podcast? And who are the types of people who probably shouldn't use that medium? I think that people, and I'll, I'll kind of speak to like business owners or entrepreneurs, because that's that's who we particularly help with podcasting. 
I think business owners and entrepreneurs should have a podcast because it's one of the best trust building tools that people have. It's different than other media to where people don't typically stumble upon a podcast and then listen to the whole thing. Um, if you look at the demographics, podcast listeners usually earn more, they're more educated, and they are showing up to learn something. So they're showing up with an intention. Oftentimes when people see shorts and clips and all this stuff on like Instagram and YouTube, which is a part of podcasting. So th that stuff has its place, but you're trying to stop the scroll. Right. Like people are wasting time. You're hoping that you can stop them and what they're doing and maybe engage them and then lead them to like a long form asset, like a podcast or right. email list or something like that. With podcasting, people are showing up with an intention to learn. And I think that a pretty important piece of almost any business is education. You know, there's a customer's journey, there's awareness, you know, consideration, decision. Everybody looks at like the buyer's journey with different terms. And I'm sure yep. in your days at Madwire, you, you guys probably had your different terms for that journey. But the point is a lot of businesses are trying to sell everybody on their journey as if they are on like step 25 of 26. Right. And so it's like, we're going to talk to everybody as if they're ready to buy. Yeah. Direct to conversion. Yeah. When in reality, people are all over the place. There's people that want to learn about your product. There's people that want to learn about the industry. There's people that want to learn about you and are you trustworthy? So a podcast is such a good opportunity to be able to like educate, inspire your audience. We call it like an educational watering hole Yeah, I love that. for businesses. And so it's like, they're going to be learning about your industry and your product and how to solve their problems from somebody, why not you? Like that's just, people are going to YouTube, they're going to Google, yep. they're going to podcast search engines and they are typing in the problems they have, the questions they have, why not be the one to answer them? Cause if you're not, then your competitors will. I think on the other side of like who should not, um, and this has been a big shift for us in the last year, we are working less and less with brand new businesses and brand new entrepreneurs. Um, so we, we, now we describe our target audience as established business leaders. I define that by, you know, your audience, you know, how you're going to serve them and you've done it. There's right. gotta be that track record. There's gotta be some level of establishment of, um, actual results. And the reason being, if you don't, if you don't have some level of success as a business, if you, and I've often seen that's like half a million, right? Uh, it could be different in different industries, but I feel like if you're starting a business and you can't get it to at least like a couple hundred thousand, something's wrong. That's not bad. It just means like maybe it's the wrong product. Maybe you need to develop some skills as an entrepreneur. Maybe you're selling the right product to the wrong audience. Like you have to analyze what's wrong. Yep. And until you figure that out, you're probably going to assume that your podcast is going to be your silver bullet and solve all your problems. <laughs> and so we've worked with quite a few people that uh, it took us a while to learn that, to realize like, oh, they're putting a disproportionate amount of pressure on the podcast saving their business and solving their sales problem when in reality they have a sales problem. Right. This podcast going viral would be the worst thing for their business because <laughs> they don't actually know how to serve their customers yet. Yes. So that's really like, I think everybody has to understand that I do think everybody probably should have a podcast, every business, but- if you haven't figured out those like essential business, that essential business framework to where you're, you're growing as a business and you figured that out, 
I think that your priorities should be focused more on fixing those business problems than growing an online audience. It's dead on. I got not much to say to that. We used to say, see the same thing at the marketing company. Early days in their business, I need marketing. You guys are my holy grail. I'm going to pay you. The leads are going to flow. I don't have to do business development. I don't have to pick up the phone. I don't have to sell anybody or close anybody. They're just going to come in and hand me their credit card, and I'm going to close. And then six months go by. They would have improved, but they're not to whatever this imaginary finish line is that they have in their head, and we're the bad guy. Yep. And you don't win. You, it's better to just tell them, hey, man, you're not ready. Here's what you need to do to go get, go get ready, and you'll have way happier customers, lower churn, better reviews, like so on and so forth. Yeah. We know the whole story. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think the question is more like when. Like yeah. when is the right time to start a podcast as opposed to like should you or should you not? I think it's right for most businesses. There's space to have a podcast. It's just when is the right time and are you are your priorities in place to where it's not it's going to be more of a value add than a distraction? Yes. I will also say that it's a certain personality type as well. I mean, I've I've met some really good business owners who probably shouldn't be they're just not a good fit. They're yeah. not very charismatic. They're not great communicators. They work really hard. They built incredible teams. They've been in business for a really long time, but podcasting is not your platform. Yeah. And so maybe you need somebody who, within your organization, your CMO, your CEO, exactly. somebody like that, who can take the lead on that. Yep. Um, I know that you've been running a podcast for a long time, your own personal one called The Small Business Storytellers, but you actually recently just shut that down. Mm -hmm. Why'd you do that? And what's the new pod? Yeah. So, um, I shut that down and I mean, it's still there. There's a hundred episodes. You can find it. It'll always be available. Yep. Lots of fantastic interviews. Loved it. Um, so we, yeah, we shut down after a hundred episodes. I initially felt like I needed to have a podcast that was more reflective of the season that I was in and realizing the conversations that I wanted to have were different than the conversations I was having. I want I would love to sit down with you for like two hours and talk about like profit margin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's something that I'm learning more about. And like there, there's a lot of like more granular problems that I'm working to solve in business right now. And similarly to what we were saying earlier, there's a lot of basic business content out there. Yep. I'm really interested in providing and consuming more that's like actual tangible, like how to not just get from A to B, but like how do we get from like D to E? Like how do we you know, once you're doing a million dollars, how do you get to five? Like those kind of conversations. And so I realized that our uh, podcast was really great at getting some like initial and uh, initial stories out, but our focus was just changing as a company. And so we wanted to provide a podcast that was more focused on like going deeper into specific business problems than just telling a bunch of stories. Yeah. Neither one is right or wrong. It's just different. And so for me, I really felt like, Mental energy wise, I felt like I couldn't do both. And I felt like I was just continuing to do the small business storytellers. Or if I was going to continue, then I was only going to be continuing because it's like, well, it makes sense to keep doing a podcast. Like it makes right. sense, like kind of the more conversation, like just keep doing more, just right. don't stop. <laughs> and there's value in that, but there's also value in recognizing seasons have a beginning and an end. Yeah. And so for me, it made more sense focus wise, mental energy wise to be able to say, this was amazing. This was a great thing, but we're going to bring this to a close and give ourselves the space and time to really be able to launch something new. So it's going to be a pretty different format. Um, it'll probably come out late in 2023. 
Uh, it'll be called the business and each season of the podcast will be like a six to eight episode season that will actually dive deep into one specific problem cool. of business. And like so scaling people or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. It might be like, how does like hospital, like the business of hospitality, like how can we integrate hospitality? And so we might be interviewing like people in the hospitality world, but then bringing those lessons in really tangible ways into like business owners lives, or it might be a whole, whole season on pricing your services or a whole season on profit margin and how to figure that out, like really going deep into those things so that yeah. people can kind of do like a six to eight episode deep dive and get a really solid understanding of one problem and one question they probably have, as opposed to, um, just kind of like keeping it like, yeah, I, I kind of know that story, but I didn't really walk away with a ton of super tangible stuff. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. We're going to keep doing the storytelling format stuff, but we're going to kind of go the other way with the more interview style yeah. tactical approach, which is funny that you say that. So you've given me some good ideas because I do think that being able to batch them and say, hey, you want to learn all about sales, watch this. You want right. to learn all about profit margin, this, back office, this. So I love that. What are you, um, what are you most excited about right now in your business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm really excited about some of the clients that we're getting. Like, I feel like we are more focused in who we're serving um, and than we ever have been. And also our, our clients and our relationships are beginning to multiply. So one of my goals over, excuse me, over the next like four years is to build one of the most, to build the most trusted podcast agency in the country. Um, that's not like, that's not measurable. I know that's not smart. Right. All of all of that stuff. Um, but for me, it's super important. And there's revenue goals behind that as well. But for me, it's super important that uh, we have a really strong referral base, that people trust us to, they entrust us with their clients. So we have a lot of agency partners. And so those agencies, they already have a big client base. And so they are initially saying, hey, this is who we trust to do production. Right. That means a ton to me. Um, and our clients being with us for a year or two years and then saying, Hey, like if you need to start a podcast, these are your people. That means a lot to me that our client, like those are the metrics that we're paying attention to. And so right now, uh, the last like two months, we've just gotten a lot of referrals from that shows that people trust us. And, and that's been really great. And those, uh, referrals that we're getting in those conversations and the clients that we're onboarding, they're really focused. And they're people that we can serve really, really well. And so it's kind of just we're we're hitting a really good product market fit right now. And I think that that's been like a two and a half year process to really narrow down to like, who do we serve? Who do we not serve? Uh, we're saying no more than we ever have before. Cool. Um, not because we just have like leads flowing out the door, but because I have a better idea of like who we can serve and who we can't. I love that. Is there any challenges ahead that you see maybe economically, your industry, business in general that you're thinking yeah. about? Yeah. So, I mean, I do think that like economically, and we've seen this happen with some clients this year, like at the end of last year when, you know, we were, I, I don't even know when the recession started, like when, like, I know there's like, there's um like actual terms of like, here's what it means to be two, in two consecutive quarters. Yeah. Two consecutive quarters. So I, I don't know exactly GDP. like when that happened. But I know that at the end of the year, we like lost quite a few clients because their industries were starting to be like squeezed and they were concerned, so they cut a bunch of costs. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is people beginning to look at podcasting and businesses beginning to look at podcasting, not as just like 
something that sticks around when they're in good times, but really realizing like this is an essential piece and in a recession, it's probably a more important piece to be communicating with our audience than not. So I think that's a challenge. Um, opportunity wise in the last like 30 days, there were three around 350,000 podcasts out of around four to 5 million, depending on who you ask that published an episode. Hmm. So you have between five and 10% of podcasts total that are active. Wow. YouTube channels, 33 million YouTube channels published a video in the last 30 days. So conservatively, like let's just say that those numbers are off and let's like give some gen, like be generous and say there's 500,000 podcasts that publish an episode in the last 30 days. That's still like what one to 2% of right. the active channels on YouTube. So I know that's not like a direct comparison, but that shows that the market is still super, super young. Yes. Um, you also need far less engaged listeners and engaged people to sustain a podcast than a YouTube channel. Yep. And you know, we can get into whatever complicated metrics there are, but like, you know, CPMs, RPMs, all, all of these metrics are way higher in the podcast industry than they are in other forms of media. And so I think there's so some good. really interesting opportunities where like the industry of podcasting is still so young. And I, I mean, I get asked, you probably get asked too, like, oh, it's the, okay, I've wanted to start one, but it's too late. Like, it's already too saturated. It's like the podcast industry is nowhere near saturated. It's and definitely it's, harder than it was. Yeah. But that's actually what I love about it. But to your point, and I love, I feel like I'm going to podcast content church right now. I was over here like, preach, preach. <laughs> um, but it's true, man. 90% of the research process is done before the customer ever picks up the phone. Yeah. Trust is built on the back of four things, integrity, intent, capability, and results. So if 90% of the research process is done before they ever pick up the phone and you can communicate your integrity, your intent, your capability, and results before you've ever talked to the customer, who do you think is going to win? Yeah. Right? And and content is the new SEO of the 90s and the early 2000s. And those of you who are listening to this, if you're thinking about going into business and you are undervaluing the importance of building personal brand and building content, then don't start a business because you are a media company first and you are whatever sector or business you're in second. And so I love it. I love those stats got me more jacked up. I'm gonna, after this, I'm going to go talk to Darius and we're going to triple down on more pods yeah. because it is the future, man. Yeah. And there, we live in an environment where we don't trust our doctors. We don't trust the government. We don't trust our neighbors. Um, trust is the most important thing and that's what content helps you do. Yeah. 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 It's true. So, I mean, the industry is not going anywhere, but up as far as podcasting. So I'm super stoked about that. Um, another thing I'll say I'm excited about is, uh, to launch more of our own shows. So like I said, this year, we're going to be launching another business show. Um, we're working on, we're working on putting together a local, uh, a local podcast that will be sharing some of the like nonprofit and impact stories of Northern Colorado. Yep. So I'm really excited about that and some nonprofits that I'm connected with. And for the last couple of years, it's been really easy to kind of hide behind my clients. And I mean, you, you've, you've seen this in the marketing world, like it's where marketers are doing a way better job marketing for their clients than for themselves. themselves. <laughs> uh, we really team. haven't marketed our business much. That's why I didn't follow up with you. Cause you know, two years ago or whatever, cause yeah. it's like, we didn't have those processes in place. And so um, we're adding that like operational excellence to the company, which I'm really excited about. And we're also saying we have our own stories to tell too. We have our own original shows that we feel like we want to launch 
as well as launching and growing our client shows. And so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of put the mic in front of us too. I love that, man. It's, I think about it like a record label, you know, you got, you guys are the record label and you got all these different shows or artists yeah. underneath you. I think, I think somebody who does it really well is, um, Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. and, uh, Ramsey personalities is what they call them. And yep. they have different pods and yeah. you speak to different sectors of their avatar. And so it's incredible. Um, We'll we'll land the plan. I know we're buttoning up on time. I know you got somewhere to go. So, what is your best content recommendation, book, or resource that you think every entrepreneur needs to consume? Yeah. So, two things I would mention. Uh, one is a show that is in production right now. So it's coming out July of 2023. Not sure when exactly this will be live, but whenever this goes live, you'll be able to to find either a trailer you can subscribe to, or the show will be. Cool. Live. Uh, that show is called Billion Dollar Bullseye. It's with a client that we're working with. His name's Jonathan Cronstead. He goes by Jay Cron. He's the president of Kajabi. Cool. Um, he was their CEO, and he took over when they were doing six million a year in revenue. And about four years later, he secured five hundred million in funding at a two billion dollar valuation. Holy cow! Yeah, substantial. Um, so he's been the guy behind the guy. <clears throat> He was the CEO of Digital Marketer. He was the CEO of a branch of Success Magazine. Not many people know his name, right. but he knows a lot. He he he's very well connected, and so he's just been doing the work. And so now he's kind of now he's like really transitioning to a season of his life where he's focused more on pouring into other people that are in the shoes that he was in and giving them like really practical advice for business and scaling a business. So I'm really excited about that show. Um, we're recording episodes right now. It's going to be a lot higher. It's going to be a pretty highly produced show, which is exciting. We're putting a um, good amount of advertising into it. Like it's going to be a top 50 business show. Wow. So super excited about that uh, because it will serve my needs as well as a business owner. Yeah, like totally. I'm running a successful business that I want to scale up. And so I'm excited about that piece of content. And I, I truly think that for businesses wanting to grow, it's going to provide a really fresh take on business advice yeah. um, that people need. And then the other one I want to mention uh, book-wise is a book called Profit First. No book has impacted my business more than in, than that book. Um, there's tons of books. I'm, I'm a huge reader. I've read probably hundreds of business books over the last couple of years. But as far as tangible impact, that book like really helped me to actually know how to price our services, actually know how to budget know how to like build out a team, all of this different stuff, um, because I could have my mind around my numbers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I don't have to be a CPA. I don't have to be my CF- CFO, but I do think every business owner, you need to know your numbers and numbers can get complicated. So for me, that book and the profit first, like financial model was absolutely instrumental in like getting out of debt, getting the company into a healthy place, getting to a place where we can actually serve our clients pay our team well and be growing a business in a sustainable way. Love it. What do you think separates from uh, entrepreneurs from those who give up, quit, fail, or never get started? That's a good question. I've, I honestly, I I think it's, I think it's the like not aspect of not quitting. I think what separates entrepreneurs and business owners from those who quit sounds simple, but is you don't quit. Um, There have been, many, many times over the last eight years where I've had the thought like, oh, these are the days. Like these are the days when the stats come true. These are the days when it would be way easier to quit. These are the days when it'd be way easier to call a client 
and say, hey, can I just come work for you in house? <laughs> and know that like we'd have a job offer. Like right. that that opportunity is there. And so I I think it really is you have to know why you're building what you're building. And you have to just say, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm probably going to change plans. It's going to look different, yeah. but I'm not going to quit. And that's where my, my path has looked so different than I thought it would. Uh, but I'm not, I didn't set out to build like a content. Like I, I didn't set out with like such a specific goal that it was like the, the metrics weren't the goal. The vision is the goal. And yes. so knowing like the plan can change, but that's like why it's really important that we actually know why not just where we're going but why um i have a lot of things in my life i want to accomplish and i know why and i'm connected to those things and the path will probably change the opportunities will change but i i just think that not quitting and being willing to like change how it's done is super super important Mm. that's so good all right well last thing we'll land the plane here what inspiration do you have there's somebody scrolling through youtube linkedin or just listening to the pod right now and they're thinking about taking the entrepreneurial leap. They haven't done it. So what advice, wisdom, or inspiration would you give them? I would say be willing to be willing. If you're wanting to start a business, be willing to like really step back and ask yourself what the right path for you is. We talked in this interview about how some people say, okay, quit everything and go like head first, go all in. And that's right for some people. We've also talked about how there's sometimes where you have side hustles and side gigs and side jobs. And and that's fine too. I think really stepping back and recognizing like, what is the most sustainable way for me to launch this business? Also knowing you have to put the pressure on yourself. Right. So put pressure on yourself, put deadlines on yourself, but also realize you don't have to quit everything. But maybe quitting everything is the right option. But take a minute, if you're wanting to start your own business, but you don't know how to do it, take a minute to actually step back and ask yourself, like, what is the right path? And ask other people around you. Um, Because just because somebody else did it one way doesn't mean that you need to do it that way. And so I think for for some people, it very really, like the very real option is quit everything, go head over heels in, that's the right path. And I think for a lot of people, Great. You know what industry you want to start a business in? Go learn more about that industry. Like there's there's different paths. And I think that it really is different for every single person. There's not a silver bullet for everybody. And I think anybody who's wanting to start a business, you have to step back and give yourself the space to be able to recognize what's the right path for me while still putting that pressure on yourself. So good. I had a mentor tell me one time, he said, there's a million ways to make a million bucks. This is just the way that I like to do it. Love it. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, they want to follow along with your story, they want to connect with you on social because maybe they love what they heard, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, they can find me, Seth Silvers, on pretty much any social platform, and our website is successwithstories.com. That's where you can find more info on the clients we're serving or if you guys want to talk about podcasting. Uh, We always say we'll talk with anybody about podcasting and we will help you. We might not be the right one. And so if I'm not the right fit to help you, we will be super clear about that and we'll connect you with the right person in the industry that can. Seth, man, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back. Absolutely. Thanks. Hey, buddy.